Hello and welcome to another episode of Unboxing Fulfillment, the modern B2C fulfillment podcast, where we discuss common fulfillment operations challenges and how to fix them. Our guest today is Chana Ranatuga, the founder and CEO of Rabo, an AI-based tool that automates the quality process and order fulfillment operations. This is a, a pretty new and exciting technology that could practically eliminate errors in how orders are packed and shipped out. We want to have Chana on the, the show to talk about this technology and how companies are using it. Chana, welcome to the Unboxing Fulfillment podcast, in which uh, I know is going to be pretty exciting for our listeners. So welcome to the podcast, sir. Thank you so much, Chad. Excited to be here. Yeah, me too. I think the first thing, maybe for everybody who's listening, who may be unfamiliar, walk us through a little bit and tell us exactly what this technology is that you've developed and, and how people are starting to leverage it. Yeah. So in essence, Rebel is a vision AI platform for fulfillment companies. The objective is to get visibility and insights that they need to improve packing operations, all the while introducing approachable automation technologies into the day-to-day -day op operator's uh, workflow. So how does it actually work? Can you give us a little breakdown behind the scenes of how it's deployed into an operation and, and what the inner workings of it uh, looks like? Yeah, it's going to be essentially like a typical pack station that you see in the background that I have. Then it's a small camera that's attached on top of it. All the computing is done on the edge, so nothing is on the cloud. All the data gets transferred eventually. Now to give you the short spiel, right? So we leverage AI in order to understand the various activities that happen at the packing station. So what we do is we really try to understand where's the time most spent. Is somebody spending more time in data entry, for example, into the WMS system that they might be using? Are they spending time troubleshooting issues like is the printer not working or the label dispenser is out of water, for example? Mm -hmm. uh, these insights are almost near real time and they provide true visibility to the operations teams so they can quickly triage these issues on the floor at a very fast pace. So are you using, do you typically set up like, like you're looking for the deviation to the standard with an operator? Do they provide you what they expect those tasks time to be? Or are you using the AI or the data and presenting it to the operations to say, hey, you're so much time is spent here on non-productive work? Yeah. If you think about traditional systems, they would be using an initial barcode scan and an end barcode scan, which would be tracking of the tracking number, for example and that they consider as a completed order. But in reality, through personal experiences as well, you can bypass the system by quickly scanning the start of an order. Mm -hmm. And while the label is being printed, you're starting your second order. So there isn't a good way to understand how much time is truly being spent on value-added services, like putting items into the box, arranging them accordingly, and things of that nature. Our goal as a company is how can we help operations team spend 90% of their time in actually picking up these items and placing them inside? Because truly data entry and fixing printers and stuff like that, you don't want that to happen at the backout process. This all need to be figured out. How did you kind of identify that there was a problem that you wanted to solve? Great question. I can go down a whole rabbit hole on this. No pun intended. 
So I, I do have like a extensive background in machine vision. So I've been building computer vision solutions for most of my life. Number-wise, I guess 10 plus years, specifically on the packing station. So build solutions like detecting the empty volume of a box and automating the dunnage dispensation aspect of it. Identifying the length with height of objects, for example, we have built those type of solutions. All of these were done like in consulting basis. But the reality is I had to use an app called Bonolo. So it's work now locally. It's like Uber for warehouses. So I used this for a good three months and I traveled all around the US. And what I did was a big back activity. While I was doing this, I realized, hey, uh, how can we put a robotic system in here? Because again, robots, right? How can I put a bin picking robot at a packing station? Completely eliminate the need for this. The reality was there were so many systems that needs to integrate with this process. How do you identify the right items are going to this particular automation solution? Because if you don't have that right throughput going to that particular solution, you're now going to lose your business case, for example. So mm -hmm. quickly realize that the operations on the flow, it's very variable. It's always unique. There's so many different edge cases that happen. So how can we help gradually shift operations teams, make them comfortable about the technology that they're about to get themselves into and slowly approach it in that gradual manner? That was like the first lessons learned is you can build cool things in the lab. You can think of creative ways to solve these solutions. But if you don't experience firsthand what operations faced day to day, you're going to build something that's not going to be very effective. I hope that gives a good understanding. Yeah, perfect. And you spent time at UPS and working through different roles and just immensing yourself into the operations. Is that where you cut your teeth early on in your career, where you started to really appreciate the frontline work and, and where these gaps existed? Yeah, the UPS story, to be quite frank, I was a college student and I needed to get dental and health insurance and UPS provided the best deal for me. So I was a truck unloader for a good while. Lessons learned over here is I see a lot of truck unloading companies, but the reality is there's no truck that looks that clean. It's usually all over the place. UPS was my first adventure into the logistics space. Soon after that, I even had a pack and mail store. It isn't like it's a customer that would come with a particular item. They need to get it shipped and I would just hand it, take it over, pack it and ship it out. Lessons learned there as well, where I swapped the label on Christmas Eve and just dealing with the angry customer because I am the picker, I am the backer, I'm the shipper. For everything, yeah. It was terrible. And there was nothing that I could do, no money back. Nothing could fix that issue because they wanted that package on Christmas. And that was not going to happen no matter what I did. So lessons learned that. You at least had good teeth from the UPS dental insurance to smile at least. So with Rebo, there's a camera that sits over top of the packing station. Is that a standard functionality of the solution that you have in place? Yeah. Under the platform, there's the Rebo pack. That's the one that's dedicated to packing stations. We strongly believe that is the last process that's going to be fully automated. And it's going to stay manual for quite a while. One of the reasons why we picked it is how can we help operations team achieve that efficiency so they can fend off the need to look for solutions that are going to automate that process. And that's how yeah. we're trying to bridge the gap. It makes complete sense. So does all of the pack out activity, it's all under camera so that you can go back and review the associate packing it out. And do you think it makes the associate more aware of 
his or her quality of work, just knowing that there's, it's being filmed? There is that perception for sure. When we work with operations teams, we make sure the team leads and the managers that we're working with understand that this tool is not a disciplinary tool. It's more of helping them train certain processes better. I can provide a few examples. There was a scenario where one of the large customers was shipping out like thousands and thousands of orders a day across three different sites. In this particular scenario, the brand had asked the operations teams, even though the product is going to the same address, it needed to be shipped in two different boxes because they were getting a better shipping rate by that. Mm -hmm. Even though this was told and this training was done, many operators on the floor were shipping it in one box because that's what makes sense. Why would you ship it in two different boxes? Why would you split it? And three weeks, thousands of orders later, the operations teams realized that there were few that were following it and then there were many that were not. And that you can imagine the cost that incurred them. And just not having that visibility was a massive issue for them. What do you think is one of the biggest issues relating to pack out the pack out process? What, what's broken with the process in a fulfillment operation today? The most common thread that I can pull on is going to be the siloed operations, right? So what I mean by this is an account executive or the sales team, they would bring in a brand and they would have a particular SOP. Mm -hmm. And the reality is what is expected on the SOP and what's really being performed are two different things. And the lack of visibility into how operations teams and the struggles the operations team face, right? A good example is Today, a brand might be saying we will use air pillows as our packing material, protection material or dunnage. And then maybe a month later, they'll be like, I want you to add crinkle wrap on it. And operations teams know this is going to add like 10, 20 seconds to a process. It's You have to change something. Now, what you promise the brand and what you're charging them, now you might be going on a loss because of the time that's going to be added to it. And that communication, lack of visibility, not awareness, like this is how this works, is a big gap. So how would Rabo in this scenario address that issue that you just described? Is it because it's measuring to the standard, it, it's it's reporting out the errors to the standard? How, how does Rabo know what the standard is or, or the SOP is? There's two ways. The first one, how we do it today is we have the baseline understanding of what all the different activities that happen at a packing process. So when we see deviations where packing is taking 40%, for example, then it'll be like it's supposed to have been at 20%. We will be able to highlight these orders. Yeah. Okay. And you can understand that. The second one that we are working with a few customers of ours is on something called a digital SOP. So it's a simple link that you can provide your brands and they themselves can upload all the different methods of how you need to pack it. And then this has falls into a different database where you can check, is this approved? Is this going to be changing the versioning? All that control is there. And this gets displayed at the packer's screen. So we would have a screen that displays it whenever they pull up that particular brand's order, it populates. You can post a PDF of how that looks like. You can also have existing best practice videos that professional or expert packers have already done. So it's those two other methods that we'd be able to Yeah, that's pretty cool. Similar if you're in a retail 
compliance or retail orders going out and CVS or Walgreens have their requirements. We probably upload similarly an SOP that's digitalized and it's a check code that it's been completed. But in this environment, I like it. So it's giving you more or less a green check if the order was packed out to the standard or a red. If it what it does it literally give you one of those checks like a green check or a, a red X if it's in compliance or out of compliance? Yes. It depends on how standardized the operations is on the floor. In one of our prospects right now, they have an issue with temperature cards. And I believe heat baths is another thing that we have heard. Yes. So if you don't put this particular temperature card in this packing process, you have kappas that you have to deal with and all sorts of other problems. What we do is a green check mark that the temperature card has been placed. That's one example. Another example is if you need to put packing material first for fragile items and then packing material, we'll be able to make sure that here's dunnage being present, check, item check, and then the dunnage again, check. So we have those capabilities. Nice. Yeah. So what do most customers that are engaging with you, what are they coming to you for? Is it to obviously to improve the pack out experience or the, the customer experience for order accuracy? Do some customers come to you thinking it's also a cost savings or do they view it as a cost improvement, but a quality offset? What do most clients come to you for help yeah. with? Yeah. I guess it, it really matters to the person who you're talking to. Account executives and most folks that have to deal with QBRs and have to be customer mm -hmm. facing, they really care about the quality because when quality goes south, there's you face the heat and it's not a nice conversation to be in. But now if you talk to operations teams, if you even add a, a second to their current flow, they're not going to be happy with it because they are held to yeah, on time and in full. Am I getting these orders out on time? That's all they care about. We don't think it's a matter of prioritizing time savings over error reduction or vice versa. We want to follow an holistic approach where both these elements go hand in hand. We strongly believe if you can streamline your operations and have that standardization, errors will go down automatically. And a lot of these errors are due to operational inefficiencies. And that's the essence of it. It's solving both is what it sounds like by presenting the data, utilizing the data on the variance. An operator can see that where they're inefficient or if they're doing steps that are that they shouldn't be or if it's not to the standard and at the same time getting uh, improved quality and, and guaranteed really order accuracy to the standard. So do you feel like without the use of this technology, I would be able to deliver the same results or an operator would be able to deliver the same results without it? Or do you feel, do you have a strong conviction? It really does require this technology and the industry needs to move in that direction. Yeah, that's a great question, Chad. I think just honestly, like warehouse leads and supervisors, the experience that they have gained is undeniable. Um, they're very essential for the smooth operations, right? They're the ones who are like always problem solving on the flow of tackling, putting out fires. But when you think about scale and you're scaling from, you had 10 packing stations with one team lead going around on the flow, now you jump to 20. It's not humanely possible for them to be on top of all of them. Our tool is here to support them and be able to do 10 times what they could have before. 
before we went on air, not on air, but taping, we were talking about consolidating lines and tying the lines. I would imagine that's a cost savings in and itself because the technology somewhat requires you to probably do that, right? You wouldn't want it on a fulfillment operation that has 15 different individual processing lines. You'd want to consolidate it. So I guess the savings in and itself, right? It forces the business to consolidate the lines in order to, to, to leverage this technology. Is that relatively a true statement? Yeah. I mean, a good example would be going back to your compliance section, right? Mm-hmm. So if you had Prop 65 labels or certain types of hazmat labels, right? You would need to have a dedicated station with a well-trained or certified employee to take care of that. Now, if you wouldn't have to have a dedicated station and have this one particular associate that you always need to have, you can now expand it to other stations that can now deal with it because there is that verification step provided by the system. Yeah. A lot of these process steps can be barcoded. Even if you press a button that you did it, it's not enough. You need to understand what truly went on in the flow. So mm-hmm. yes, it is a true statement. I agree with it. How do most people measure the ROI with Rebo? Is do you have a standard of how you how you introduce the o, the ROI rather? Yeah. So based on the volumes and the quality assurance, or like sampling that you have, is one method that we do. Uh, but we have this ROI sheet that we usually go through with uh, and build out a business case before moving forward. Typically, most of our customers see a few months, in a few months, they get the ROI purely just through the initial improvements, right? Visibility and seeing how can we improve our processing times, improve processes like it. In a couple of months, they usually see the ROI. So it's obviously new technology. It's emerging. You're at the forefront of it, bringing it, introducing it to the industry. Where are you in the scale of the maturation process in terms of adoption across the U.S.? Do you think you're still in the very beginning, early stages of this, or is it well-developed at this point? Stasi has been a great partner for us. Nathan, I would say, would have been our strongest skeptic about the technology. And after seeing what it has done, definitely sees value. Uh, in terms of where we are right now, this is a stat that we would soon be sharing on our website. But we have seen and observed over 42 million orders gone through our system today. We have gone from pilots, now we are in production and expanding to multiple warehouses. So we are definitely a little bit past the proof of concept stage and now evolved to a mature platform. Yeah, congratulations. That's a great uh, accomplishment of the monster. 42 million orders. What's What's this insight email that I've read about? Is this something that you produce to customers with the shared information? Is that kind of like an end-of-day report or how, what's the frequency of it? So it's a bi-weekly insight email. Internally, we are still like working the kings of the AI component of it. So what it does is you break down the different processes. We use that to identify good examples and bad examples where process deviations happen. And we have industrial engineering teams that go through those specific list of videos and provide five of them to operations teams. The whole objective is, one is, this is a really unique and good example of how folks do it. So it's a good example of understanding, like, how can they improve their processes? So one is, like, good examples. The second is, when we see things like clutter, multiple orders on a packing station, able to identify these and help operations teams 
really show the backers and explain to them why and what are the impacts of these things. I believe a picture says a thousand words, a video should say a million. So it's very easy to communicate with them what happened and why, what went wrong. And as a result of those insight emails, are there different examples of where customer or the break you resolve them, assuming you fixed whatever the issue is through these videos that were sent? I'm guessing almost in all cases, they've reacted to the finding that they otherwise wouldn't have seen. Yeah, there are teams that really take this. And then many times we hear them say, we see this problem frequently, but now we have evidence and a trusted source that gives them, this is the impact. This is how many seconds you're losing here. And this is the overall impact. It's easier for them to communicate that as like a business case to their executive team even and asking them for particular things, right? Uh, One good example, this is slightly unique. So in operations, it's all about reducing touch. And if you think about a particular process, I mentioned you put dunnage in first and then you put dunnage or packing materials on top, right? A great example was there was this packer. These are all tribal knowledge that they have. And then they they don't really share this because they don't see the point of it. But the reality is this lady was pressing the dunnage dispensing machine pedal once. And she would pull the packing material, place the item, and then wrap it. Whereas Mm -hmm. most other packing tables would press it once, tear it, place it at the bottom place item, press it again. So now there's two steps, right? Simple things like that is one good example. Another example is when the label dispensing machines print out the labels, some associates tend to tear the label off the printer and then unwrap it. So now you're using two hands. Whereas this unique packer was essentially peeling the label while it was on the printing machine and then sticking it one hand. So there's so many of those tiny instances where some things that people, new packers may not have been aware of. And this packer was going at a very fast rate. And the managers were asking us, like, what is her cheat code? And mm-hmm. we were able to unlock the cheat code for them. What's interesting is you're talking, it. I'm thinking about within fulfillment operations, all of the reporting that a facility has relating to scheduling inbound trailers to receiving the product, to bringing that inventory into the facility, putting it away, the picking, right? All sorts of whatever you pick method is, there's all sorts of productivity, whether you're picking with robotics or under lights or voice picking or mod pick, whatever it is, cart picking, but there's all sorts of measurements that we have it seems every aspect returns of a facility in direct hours. But when it gets to the packout function, the last line of defense, right? Uh, before yeah. the order leaves, it's remarkable how little information that the industry does have toward that. It's just hurry up and get it out without, I guess, consideration of all the things that you're talking about. The extra touches, the data, the video capture. So you can get both cost reduction to bring the cost per order down at the same time, bringing quality up. Both statements can be true at the same time. It doesn't have to be either or. And I think that's what Rebo really brings. Just listening to you, it's remarkable to think that aspect of the business has just been left out there on an island. Yeah, lots of our peers, the way they approach is humans make errors. So let's just completely change that entire process and put this massive system here. And that's the solution, right? 
and unboxing fulfillment or unboxing the unboxing experience. That's very needed today. How do brands like differentiate themselves from the big brown box that turns up at your door? It's through that unboxing experience. People really care about how they receive their products. Before we would go to the store, we would feel it, we'll connect with the brand. Now it's when I'm opening that box and looking at how it's done. It really matters. And as these processes become more and more complex, automation is going to be far behind versus what the expectations of consumers and brands would be. Yeah. If you're like me, when the product is on the shelf, when you are in a retail environment, you don't always, I don't pick the one that's in front. I always pick something, especially deodorant, by the way, because everybody's sniffing the deodorant and they're putting it back on the shelf. So I always pick in the back, right? Five or six layers back. And customers want the same experience to connect with the brand when they open it and feel like it was handled with care. One other just question with our time that we've got, I, I was curious. So does it matter if you're 3PL or if you have multiple warehouses? Is there any benefit of having multiple fulfillment facilities or is it okay to use this technology in a single site operation? But do, do you gain anything by having it in multiple facilities? There's definitely a strong benefit. Uh, the reason why you would want to have multiple locations would be so you're closer to the customer and you can provide that one day, two day shipping because of our friends at Amazon, right? But when it comes to brands, especially the new and upcoming brands, like they doing fulfillment themselves and handing over their child almost mm -hmm. to somebody who they don't know. They're like hoping that they do everything right. Just having that visibility and peace of mind for operations teams, for that brand executive as well is very crucial. Now, as I did mention, it is important to have that two-day shipping and now when you scale these operations to different cities, it's going to be different, right? It's people. And you need to be able to standardize these operations. And if you don't have this type of visibility, you might be doing really well in one location. And when you start scaling and you see that dip, that's going to cause churn uh, for a lot of 3PL. It, I guess above all, it gives a brand who might be listening to the call right now, it gives you some you can trust, but verify. You can actually see your packages being packed out correctly or incorrectly with the video and where they otherwise may not have visibility other than data or after the errors occurred. But I think having the ability to actually see is a big differentiator uh, other than just data in and itself. And it's uh, a lot to do with trust, right? It's a relationship that you're building yeah. and it's trust. And if you are this transparent, Trust is just going to increase. And I think that's very important for operators today. Yeah. I could talk for hours on this and excited to work offline with you. But Chana, where can people just go to find more about you or Rebo? Yeah, Unboxing Fulfillment Podcast. I'll be there on it. Also, our website, rebo.us, spelled R-E-B-O-T dot U-S. Um, I'm also active on LinkedIn. There should be a candy link on my profile. So anyone can feel free to time with me. I'm always open to learning. I think that's very important. And uh, talking to other operators and just learning. Yeah, I've done plenty of learning here in this uh, episode. And I think, thank you for the time. We'll uh, leave the link in your contact information when we get this episode published. But thanks again. And thanks for everybody who listened to the podcast this afternoon. This concludes our episode of Unboxing Fulfillment. 
the modern B2C fulfillment podcast. Stay safe, everyone.